Welcome to Civil Discourse, a public affairs production of Gila Mimbres Community Radio, KURU 89.1 FM. I'm your host, Jamie Newton. My guests are six of the organizers of the community meetings held in Silver City in January 2017 in coordination with MoveOn.org and TheIndivisibleGuide.com and of the People's Procession that brought 500 people to march and rally peacefully in Silver City for Love Over Fear on January 21st, despite snow, sleet, strong winds, and freezing temperatures. They will explain how everyone can easily join a groundswell of citizen action for effective impact on the vital political issues of our time. We'll review the events of the first months of 2017 and the goals and methods of groups, including Grant County Action, Democracy Advocates, and the Indivisible Networks in Silver City, the Mimbres Valley, and the Gila Cliff area. I'll preface our discussion by stating that this program is not intended to pit one political party against another. It is intended to illustrate and clarify opportunities that are open to anyone who wants to take an active role in grassroots democracy with examples of effective advocacy on issues of concern to our community, to the United States, and to the world. Please note that the views expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent Gila Mimbres, Community Radio, and KURU. Now I'll introduce my guests, and I'll ask each of them to speak briefly about their background. Azima Leela Forrest, may we begin with you, please? Yes. I've been a resident of Silver City for 15 years now. I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister and a spiritual teacher. I serve on the board of the Lotus Center on Broadway, and I am um, up to my neck in involved in sending out daily action suggestions to the Grant County Action Network. Thank you. Jim McIntosh, please. Hey, Jamie. I'm Jim McIntosh. I'm a teacher and a registered nurse, and this is my 26th year as a teacher. Uh, my first political action was reciting the Gettysburg Address at the Lincoln Day dinner in Parkersburg, West Virginia, when I was 12. But uh, in the four decades since then, I've changed some of my political views. We'll find out how. <laughs> Barbara Mora. Hi, I'm Barbara Mora. Um, I've lived here for 31 years. I'm a pediatrician, currently um, with Silver Healthcare, and I've raised my three sons in this community, and I dearly love this community and area. Wanda Spitzer. Yes, I'm Wanda Spitzer. My husband and I moved to the Membrace Valley 18 years ago from Indianapolis, where he had his career, and I was involved in a number of different um, volunteer organizations. Having moved here, I very quickly followed up with my volunteering and joined the local volunteer fire department. I trained to be a first responder, and I got involved in the, um, the community health harvest festival that we have in the Membrace Valley. And now I'm involved with Indivisible. I started a group in the Membrace Valley, and uh, today we hit 40 members. And Roll Turieta. Good afternoon, or good evening. Actually, I'm a third-generation native here in Grant County, and I sat on many boards statewide. I was the board of directors for the New Mexico Association of Counties, and I was in the executive committee. I've been the assessor's affiliate statewide. I've been involved in uh, county government and the assessor's office for the last 36 years, 
and uh, now I just got appointed for the Economic Development Infrastructure uh, Policy Committee, and I wear just about every hat here in Grand County there, Jamie, so, and enjoying it. Deborah James. Hi. I have lived in Grant County for 28 years, and I am a veteran school teacher of 30 years, now retired. I was, like Jim, one of the uh, teachers at Aldo Leopold High School, one of the founding teachers. Also, I distinguished myself as having been a single mom and having been at the bottom of the economic heap, and a lot of my work has to do with social justice. Thank you all so much for being here. You are prime movers in what impresses me as a groundswell of grassroots democracy in Grant County. This is the healthy antithesis to sinking into despair when you feel that much that you cherish about our own home area here and the country we live in is at risk or being damaged. And so... You are expressions and symbols of energy, hope, and effectiveness. I'd like you to reflect on the journey from the antagonistic, brawling quality of the campaign season and then the, the outcome of the election in November, your own responses to those events, and your transition from whatever that was for you to what you're doing now to help people in this community do democracy successfully. Barbara Mora, you've compared your own response to what you feel as a doctor when you get a call that says you're needed in the emergency room. Yes, or more likely you're needed in the delivery room. (laughs) Um, Being a pediatrician, I've been in that position many times. And after the election, I was shocked, dismayed, and um, I I felt grateful when I got online an invitation from moveon.org, which I had joined during the election season, an invitation to host a community gathering And they explained it, and they said, you know, you don't have to have ever done anything like this before. So I said, okay. But I felt like I needed to do something, and it did feel that same kind of urgency as we feel in a resuscitation of an infant in distress is we need to do something now. We need to do what we can do, and we need to do it as a team because that's how we're most effective. So fortunately, Deb James had also received that invitation And within a few days, we found out, and we decided to collaborate. And so we were a huge support to each other to host these meetings. And MoveOn.org was great at giving us suggestions. They had some calls that we could share with other people all over the country. I mean, it became very exciting because so many people around the country were doing the same thing. And I knew that um, I just needed to get my own anxiety about it out of the way. I hosted it at my home and I needed to invite people. And I invited a lot of people and a lot of really good, wonderful people came. And then all I had, they even brought the food. All I had to do was step back and use the materials given me by moveon.org 
And some of the things they said were very important. They said, yes, here's some suggested actions for your, these groups that are going to form. One, they recommended Indivisible Guide for us to become acquainted with that and to suggest it to other people. But they said, you know your communities best. This needs to be about local. We can't just jump to national issues. We need to acknowledge that it's our own home communities. We do know the people here. We know the issues. And it's different all over the country. So that was very useful for me to hear that. And they also said, as as people come, you know, define some groups so people can choose their area of interest. And don't say, oh, we got to have five in this group and five in that. Let them self-select, even if you only have a few here. It's better to have a few passionate people about an agenda item and then a lot of others. And then and so, you know what, it's happened. And it's just, it's taken root and it's grown. And all I had to do after that was clean up the kitchen and and it's it's alive and it, it's going. So here we are. And Deborah James, you convened a very similar meeting that evening, the same day. This was a week before the inauguration of Donald Trump. What was your motivation and what was your sense of how that meeting went? Well, um, I have been an activist for most of my life, but especially in the last decade of my life, I've been trying to sew together the understanding that there is no division between environmental, social, and economic justice. I have felt like a kook (laughs) and a loner out there a lot in the world. And when I saw what was happening with the Trump campaign, my partner was dismayed by the fact that I said, I'm really scared that he's going to win. And, um, you know, my partner is the eternal optimist, thank goodness. And he would prop me up every day. And sure enough, the worst happened. I knew that this was going to be a huge setback to all of these areas of uh, long-time injustice, although we've made strides towards them. And so when I got the call from Move On, I decided to jump on board, not knowing that Barbara had done it. was thrilled to discover that Barbara was doing the same and that we could create this marriage of groups and, of course, a, a lovely new friendship is blossoming as a result of that. But the most exciting part for me has been that in the face of, of adversity, I've seen people come out of the woodwork like never before. I've seen people dare to address their passions and become active. And I don't feel alone anymore. <laughs> I feel like I am part of a really amazing team of people, many of whom sit right here at this table with me. And I think your collaboration is in itself an expression of the power of community, because I believe it was my wife, Marion, who learned that you were each doing this and connected you. Isn't that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's right. exactly right. right. Yep. So we will take a break in a moment and come back together, and then I'm going to ask you both to quickly say, How many people came, what happened at the meetings, what has happened as a result since. You're listening to Civil Discourse. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to Civil Discourse, where we are talking about the groundswell of citizen action in Grant County in 2017. Barbara Mora and Deborah James, what happened at the meetings that you convened? How many people came? And concisely, 
what has been going on since? Both of our groups had over 50 people in them. So together, more than 100 citizens came together to begin these discussions. We had initially six groups set up. We now have, I believe, 11 groups that have evolved out of the whole thing that are addressing very specific things in the community. Some of those groups are simply tapping into groups that already existed. In other words, there are individuals who were passionate about immigration and didn't know where to plug in. But there was already an immigration justice group here in Silver City, so they have been able to plug into that and so on. I I guess it will be later in the program that we'll actually talk about what some of these groups are. But what I wanted to do is address the fact that Azima, who sits at the table with us, was willing to take up a very difficult job, and that was to create a Google group out of all of these people, more than 100 people who came, and then combine that with all of the indivisible people, people who hadn't necessarily come to these move-on meetings but had come in through another door, and so that word can get out on a daily basis. She does a fantastic job of emailing all of us every day and letting us know what we need to be working on today, what groups are meeting, what we need to address. We will turn our attention now to this process. And so I'm going to focus on the work that's being done by the groups represented by Azima Forrest and Wanda Spitzer. And Azima, you introduced me to the Indivisible Guide on January 8th at Javelina, where you and I were both present for the Earth to Trump Traveling Roadshow that was brought by the Center for Biological Diversity and drew some 300-plus people to Javelina, which I think in itself was noticed by the community. And we thought, wow, look at all these people who share something with me. Si se puede. Would you say what the Indivisible Guide is, how it works, and what your role is now as a facilitator? Well, for some time, I've been on the mailing lists of lots of progressive organizations. um, And I think it was because of that that I received the Indivisible Guide online. It's a a guide to political action that was put together by a bunch of former staffers at the federal level who learned in their jobs just what works and what doesn't. And so this guide is so very practical. It says don't bother with a lot of petitions because they don't do any good. You want to use calls and you want to use emails. So I was just set on fire by that, and I brought it to that meeting, and I was waving it in the air and showing it to everybody. I remember. (laughs) So then when I walked into the meeting that Deb organized, I looked around at all the tables, and every single one of those issue groups was something that's really close to my heart, and I thought, how am I going to choose one of them? And then I came to one that said democracy advocates, and I went, aha, this is the key to all of them. This is, this is the way that I can contribute my time to helping every single one of these issues. So that's how it came about. We now have over 150 people on that list. And what do you do? Okay, I receive I receive emails from for example the the Gila Conservation Coalition from the um, state health security supporter people all these different people. And then some of the people like Deb will send me things and I look at them all and I say which one of these which ones of these require us to take action today to make a phone call, several phone calls, 
to make emails, what's going on in town today, or what might be going on at the county. We have had actually one time when that was an issue. Um, and then I compile that into a, um, an email that gives action items first federal, then state, county, and then if we have anything local. So that it's easy for people to look down the list and say, well, I can't do all of those today, but I might be able to do most of them. But apparently a lot of people are taking those suggestions seriously and making those phone calls and sending the emails. And you make that easy to do. Wanda Spitzer, how did you become involved in the Indivisible Group and move into the role of coordination that you have out in the Mimbres Valley? Similarly to Azima's experience, because through the campaign, I had filled out you know, a number of petitions, uh, donated, and so Facebook sort of selects what else you might like to see in that realm. So the Indivisible Guide showed up in my email feed one day, and having just, I mean, there was a summary of one page, and having read that, I said, aha, because until then, it was very much, well, in response to the election, I sort of went into this massive depression. It's like I didn't go out of the house for three days <laughs> and was in a lot of despair and sort of responding to everything that came across online. Oh, do this, do that, do, do whatever you can and feeling like I was flailing. So when I saw the Indivisible Guide, I decided that would be how I would focus because, it, as Azima said, it seems so practical so I sent an email to half a dozen friends and said, would you like to join me? And we got together for an initial meeting, and then each of us invited other like-minded people. And I think I may have put something on my Facebook page because Sharman Russell, who is in the Gila Valley uh, Indivisible Group, had just shortly before we had started ours gone through the same process. And so she shared with me their experience, which made our experience even more efficient. So I do something similar to Azima, except it's through the Indivisible Group, the Indivisible National umbrella group sends leaders information on various issues, legislation coming up, suggestions as to how we might act. And I pick and choose to some extent, but often just send that wholesale on to each member that has gotten on my email list, and they can pick and choose what they feel like responding to. In addition, I've tried to streamline that process for them by providing phone numbers, sites that list upcoming legislation, sites that track voting, and just, again, try to facilitate so that what I'm doing is multiplied many-fold by the folks that uh, they get my emails. The Indivisible Guide impresses me, people should know, as both clever and practical. Clever in that we all learned this word, indivisible, when we were little children, said it for years before we knew what it meant. And there was never, in my experience, a more divided, divisive campaign season than the one that we have just experienced. And so using that term indivisible seems to me to be a, a one-word icon, in a way, taking us toward a hoped-for future. And this is not a manipulative guide. 
it is something that tells us what people in office actually respond to. And you two really make this easy. We will come back a little bit later to talking about specifically how people can connect with these networks that we've heard about. I'd like to turn attention now to one of the more dramatic recent events in the history of this area, the people's procession, love over fear. 500 people under any circumstances would be a lot of people in this community, but especially with the best possible weather to demonstrate resolve, (laughs) a high that, as I recall, was below freezing, winds gusting strongly enough so that I almost fell off the perch where I stood with my world-as-seen-from-outer-space flag, sleet, snow. What could better demonstrate resolve? Jim McIntosh, how did the idea come up? Who did you work with? What brought this together? And what are your reflections on it? Well, Jamie, I will endeavor to keep my comments as nonpartisan as those that I hear on Democracy Now! when I think about what prompted me. Um, (laughs) A high bar indeed. (laughs) After 11 days um, of giving our new president-elect the benefit of the doubt and hoping that the office would elevate the man, um, I learned that Mr. Trump had named Steve Bannon as his chief strategist, and that was truly my breaking point. I phoned and emailed some friends, and I said... um, Hey, what if we throw a parade downtown as kind of an alternative inauguration? And my original uh, title for the event was the Inauguration of Resistance. And the response to those calls and emails was promising. So we held a meeting, and for the first month, we hammered together um, a very small, down, you know, small town, homespun, peaceful procession. Uh, it was a march, really, right through the heart of Silver City, and we ended up with a rally at, at Golf Park. A couple dozen people worked long and and hard to put the procession together, and I must emphasize that our our meetings made my original idea better and more effective. Sometimes I think the meetings really were, uh, were more important than the procession itself because it brought people together in solidarity to, to work for social justice. For me, and I think for many people, the procession was our official announcement that we'd more or less worked through the early stages of uh, electoral grief, the anger, the denial, the bargaining, and then now we were just going to go right by the acceptance step and just resist. So uh, January 21st was the day we publicly would forswear the temporary comfort of you know, helpless apathy, and instead we just said we're going to be flag-waving, banner-hoisting devotees of participatory democracy. In some lovely way, I think the snowstorm we marched in may have brought more rather than fewer people into the streets. Uh, Man, this is nothing compared to the storm on the way. And we showed up. Um, Many of us were positively relieved. People were thanking us all day, all morning long. Uh, I think they were positively relieved that they were finding so many citizens who believed in the same America, that country that we all thought we were living in, the country of free speech, uh, a free press, freedom to worship and dissent, a country with a responsibility to take care of each other. And I think in its small way, the procession gave people the courage to take their ideals public, um, you know, to take those messages to congressmen's offices, uh, to write all those emails. It's I really don't want to claim that the procession launched any any movements, but it reassured local people that despite the election results, um, a not inconsiderable part of our world still believed that bridges were more important than walls, that Muslim registries were offensive to our most basic principles, and that most of us really do want our environment protected and the right 
that the right to affordable health care is a basic human right, not a privilege of the wealthy. And Raul Turrieta, you had a principal role as the master of ceremonies. This is a choice. You could be there or not be there. You could be there but not in such a prominent role. What led you to accept that invitation, and what was the experience like? Where do you see it going from here? Well, for starters, I was very warm that day. <laughs> With all the weather and uh, the the sleet falling off the roof and so on, I was um, I was very excited when um, Mr. Uh, Jim McIntyre asked me to you know MC it. And uh, being a native here in Grant County, I did contact a lot of my my family members, a lot of my friends, to show up. Uh, I understood that a lot of them didn't show up due to the weather, but uh, the way I felt was um, it is time that we can do something like this very peacefully. You turn on the television and you see protests here and protests there. The way this was handled, Dr. Arizaga giving the prayer, blessing was such a heartwarming feeling because he's actually a relative. And if I start naming relatives, there was quite a few there. And, uh, we only have another half hour. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, I was very, I was very blessed that uh, the Lulacs, the part of the Lulacs, were also carrying a banner. And uh, it was nice that uh, that I had the opportunity to introduce these people. Once I introduced these people, I had something about them. I had a feeling of who they were, what they what they were doing there, and uh, and I had to give a little piece of my mind and the way I felt about not only the Gila River and uh, this is me real. That's my river, and you're not going to take it away from me. And how I how I believe on on the animals on this earth, so many ways of uh, what's happening with the university and how we need to keep it, and the woman's rights. I mean, it was just a, it was just a. I, like I said, I had so much fun doing it, and every time I introduce somebody, I like I said, I had something to say. And Jim McIntosh, let me tell you, he is something else. Uh, when he started going, and I ended up on top of that hill, uh, I do believe I had. Uh, I had to cover myself with the with the gorilla mask, but I uh, came out on the front page, and you'd be surprised how many phone calls I got on that. But uh, I think that we need to continue to uh, we need to continue to speak our voice. Not only you know not protesting or any of that stuff. I mean, we need to speak our voice and let our legislators, not only our local state, we need to let them know how we feel. I'm very connected here with the state of New Mexico with our legislators, our senators, our representatives, our state treasurers, and I do voice my opinion. And once again. I had so much fun doing it, and let's do it again. That's all I got to say. Thanks a lot, Jim. You're listening to Democracy Now! This is a retrospective on the conditions that led to a groundswell of citizen action here in Grant County, 2017. When we return, we will talk about how to sustain and build the energy that has already been seen here and how you can connect. Stay with us. Welcome back to Civil Discourse, which is, in fact, what you're being welcomed back to, even though I mistakenly said you're listening to Democracy Now!, which is a program that I rely on for real news. Welcome back to Civil Discourse. We've just been talking about 
the community meetings associated with moveon.org, the networking inspired by the Indivisible Guide, and the People's Procession that brought 500 of us into the streets with wonderfully cold, snowy, wintry, windy weather. Now we turn our attention to guidance from these six organizers, initiators, on what we can do to not let what has happened be a lovely start that then seems to fizzle out. Doing democracy is probably the rest of our lives. Let's enjoy it. It brings us into contact with the very best, most admirable, supportive people we could hope to find. Who would like to speak to what we do now and next? Barbara Mora? Sure. As a result of the groups, the Move On groups, everybody was asked to uh, choose what uh, subgroup they wanted to be part of that day and to continue with. And during those meetings on January 15th, part of the discussion was what are your hopes in this area and what particular skills do you bring and then how are we going to choose some actions so the different subgroups i think we had six or seven of them one was protection of the vulnerable feeding the community democracy advocacy volunteerism workers issues have i left anything out and i myself chose to continue with a group called feeding the community and protection of the vulnerable I chose that group because I'm already involved. I've been working with St. Francis Associates for the Needy and Hungry, which is, you know, out of my parish, St. Francis Newman Center. And um, so part of my pet project within that is trying to connect the dots with other agencies in town who also do food distribution and financial assistance. And so, indeed, we live in a community where a lot of this work is already happening, but there there has been a need to uh, bring people together. So it's more collaboration, but it's been very heartening for me to see what's already going on in our community. I also volunteer with the Silver City Gospel Mission, and again, a lot of good work is being done there. And so uh, collaboration and continued ideas are what's happening. The Volunteer Center here has an amazing food distribution program. Another thing that I've personally done is become a voter registrar. And I'm going to just find places where I can go to the college, to the uh, student center there and around town. I'm going to go to the volunteer center during food distribution and see who needs to register to vote. One of the big problems of every presidential election is that about about half of the eligible voters don't vote. So we need to work on that in this community and promote it everywhere. Uh, so that's kind of what I've been doing. And there's some overlap. The other group, Protection of the Vulnerable, we met last week, and that's a really vivacious group. It is including two amazing people who are forming a homeless coalition which I won't speak too much on that because I, I think that they actually I suggested that they talk to you mm. to come on so they can speak for themselves. Also, this group Immigration Justice Network, they were part of that meeting. Deb and I have been involved with KISS, Kids in Need of Supportive Services, and we've had this idea of um, veteran moms or you know older moms who uh, our, our kids are grown. How can we then be available to these 
younger moms, especially single parents, it's not just moms, but families in need. There's a lot of those families here. How can we be useful? And we probably will team up with KISS so we're not creating yet another agency. So um, a lot of collaboration is happening, and um, it's very energizing. All All of the groups can be found on the Indivisible website. That's Silver City Indivisible. That's all one string with no spaces, just like it sounds. Yes. Silver City Indivisible. So all of the groups that Barbara just mentioned can be found with a description on there. I think there are only a couple that I didn't hear mentioned. Uh, Important to note that we have people working on the health care issue, calling health care for all, an anti-bullying, anti-discrimination group, fair and living wage uh, Susan Golightly is the contact person for that. And by the way, on the website, you will find a name of a contact person and their email address or their phone number so that you can get in contact with them. Alternative Local Economy, Ben Keeler is working with that one. Jim and I have been working with Just Transition, but we're thinking that it may become uh, an umbrella or that we're going to filter ourselves into some of the other groups out there. We're going to be determining that tomorrow at a meeting where we go from here. Protecting and enhancing our common home, which are environmental issues. All of these, we would like you to take a look at those, figure out where your passion, your energy lies, and then attend a meeting on March 20th at the Volunteer Center from 5 to 7 p.m. We'll have an open space meeting. This will be an opportunity for everyone to hear what the coordinator's reporting in, and then each of the small groups will break out and we'll move on to their next steps. We'll enjoy some finger food together afterwards and keep building community. So that's March 20th at what time? 5 to 7 p.m. at the Volunteer Center. On that little stretch of Corbin that bends around from 12th yes. and connects to Bennett. Yeah. Yeah, good. While we're talking about how people can become involved, we'll just repeat silvercityindivisible.org. We can post that on the webpage for this civil discourse program. What other contact information and suggestions would any of you like to mention? That sounds like one that leads to more. They have a calendar on that website, and yes. so people can tune into what's going on on a daily basis. Good. Wanda Spitzer, are you about to give a connection? Yes. If folks go to indivisible.com, they will be led to a site that lists all the indivisible groups in the country so that if you're hearing this and live in Oklahoma, (laughs) you'll find a group near you and it, it will give you the email contact of the leader of a group that's close. So if you live in the Gila, you'll, you'll find that group. If you live in the Membrace, you'll find that group. Uh, wherever. There are lots and lots of groups, and there is a lot of other information. And if you don't want to be part of a group, go to the indivisible.com website, read through the guide. There are lots of lots of sources listed in that guide that you can click on and find. do your own research, find your own information. But we certainly welcome you to be part of a group. It's, it's, it's a lot more fun to be part of a group. And every once in a while, we get together and have what we call group hugs, (laughs) in the form of hikes or pitch-ins and sort of give everyone a break from their individual stress sitting at their own computer writing emails or making calls. And so probably the best way to find one's way 
to the Membres Valley group or the Gila Cliff group or perhaps even the Silver City Indivisible group is to go to the indivisible.com website and you put in your zip code or something of the yes. sort, and it takes you to the nearest group. Or if you if you want to put those that contact information on, on the website here today, we, I'm certainly willing to do that as well. We will certainly do that. And you mentioned the emails coming in and people might not want to be a part of a group. I think it's worthwhile to point out that this is a very free and individually motivated kind of enterprise. No one is getting you in a headlock and forcing you to call an elected representative on a particular day about a particular issue or giving you verbatim language you must use. This is creating opportunity and making it easy. I have made many of these phone calls, and I don't think I've spent ever more than five minutes becoming comfortably enough informed about what's happening with the Health Security Act today so that I can speak with some assurance to a staffer. And only one time in all those calls have I actually had a staff member argue with me about something, and that was... I guess I won't mention the name of the elected official for whom that staff person worked, but it was someone uh, where I expected that probably they wouldn't be all that friendly toward my point of view. Otherwise, I have always received a a kind of welcome. Uh, Azima Forrest, is there anything you'd like to add about how to get in touch and become part of a network? Yes, for people who are interested in receiving these daily, actually six days a week, I take Sundays off. I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these these suggestions of, of calls and emails. Some people have said to me, I don't know if I want to be on a list of 150 people because I don't want anyone to know my email address. I'm the only person who knows who's on that list. Nobody mm-hmm. else does. It's a one-way Google group. So the email address is azima at zianet.com, and people can send an email to me, and then I will add them to the list. And that is A-Z-I-M-A at zianet.com. Great. I also wanted to speak to something you said earlier about how can we keep this movement going and not have it die. As a minister and a spiritually focused person, I know how important it is to balance action with reflection that we need we all need to find the things that feed us whether it's meditation walking out in the woods spending time with kids whatever it is Uh, someone sent me an email that just touched me so deeply it said think of a flock of geese flying a very very long way if you're flying in the front of the v you're going to get very very tired and give yourself permission to go to the very back where you can just glide in the wake of of the flock. And I think that's really important that all of us need to go, mm, I'm really a bit burned out right now. I'm going to take the day off today. I'm going to do whatever it is that feeds me. And then when we feel rejuvenated, then we can jump back in and do act more action again. I personally need it. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll mention another aspect of balance between community and privacy. You're protecting people's privacy by not revealing the 150 email addresses to which everything goes. On the other hand, 
these activities bring us into contact with people who can become a part of our support network, our safety net, the other geese that we may need to uh, rely on to help pull us along. And I was surprised, actually, to find that with the six guests that Kyle and I have here tonight, you didn't all know each other. I would have thought that being in similar places, having similar motives, you would all have met. But you met each other, some of you, here tonight. And for me, that was a part of the joy of going to those two move-on meetings and being connected at the People's Procession, although there were several hundred people so bundled up that I had no idea who they were. Um, But... There is that balance between not being more public than we want to be and finding community in a way that can take us into transition toward the sort of community that we all want to build. Raul and Jim, your guidance to people who want to help keep this energy going? I I agree with Azima. Some of you may have, uh, when when you were talking about sharing the load, that's very important right now. most of us at the table have have jobs that we're uh, and I have students that are my first priority so I'm I'm always finding ways to share the duties I, some of you may have noticed we had an impromptu town hall meeting yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, it, with uh, Mr. Pierce's aid and I, I hope that that gathering at Watts Hall wasn't a once and done um, we need to keep showing up we need to politely pester always non-violently um, but always with backbone and we need to take turns um, you know we can say to each other hey this month I'm going to concentrate on affordable health care um, how about next year you bring the congressman a fact sheet on Mexican immigration and we just keep the facts and the evidence and the counter arguments and the truth telling up until the next election you know, by the way if you'll want to show up and do that again next month. Um, I had a very nice conversation with Mr. Martinez, who is Mr. Pierce's aide, and he makes a stop in at Watts Hall uh, the second Tuesday of every month uh, from 1 to 3.30. So let's show up again. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, I know uh, Mr. Martinez very well. And uh, I do, you know, speak a lot of uh, issues with him. However, I'm so glad that I'm sitting here with these gorgeous ladies with the, uh, you know, with the invisible group and uh, just uh, coming up with uh, we need to get involved with the Hispanics, not only on the mining districts, but also in Mimbres and uh, San Lorenzo, all the way down to San Juan up to Lake Roberts. And that's one role that I would like to, to, to take due to the fact that uh, at this moment we are working on the civil right, I mean the immigrant rights and our civil rights as Hispanics here in this community or this county, also in the Southwest. Like Jim was stating that uh, we got to do this next month and the month after that, and we got to keep the ball rolling because if we don't, it's just going to fizzle away and we're just going to be back just like a clog on a wheel and and it's going to be a shame. But uh, once we start getting other people involved, and I'm talking other race, other uh, getting involved, I think that we're going to be a lot stronger, and I'm looking forward to be working with you guys. Thank you, Jamie. You are listening to Civil Discourse on Gila Mimbres Community Radio and KURU. We are talking about the groundswell of effective grassroots action in Grant County this year, 2017. Stay with us. Welcome back to Civil Discourse. 
This is our final segment of discussion on the groundswell of engagement in the democratic process that we've seen here in Grant County in response to what many of us perceive as damage to risk to traditional American values such as democracy, justice, peace, equal rights for everyone, full participation by everyone in the political and social process, and even, though it may not be quite as widespread a value, economic equality, that is, the conviction that when all of us rise together, we rise best and we help one another. So let's return to how we keep this movement growing and not shrinking, how we avoid burnout, despair, and practicalities, if there are any other specific connections that people would like to make, words of inspiration to share, and upcoming events. We've mentioned a March 20th gathering at the Volunteer Center. Would you say again what the purpose of that is, please, Deborah? We're calling it Open Space. It is a reconvening of all of the Move On discussion groups but we're hoping that we add in lots more people in the community to begin talking and taking action on some of these very real issues that we face here. March 8th, International Women's Day, what will be happening? Azima? Yes, there's two things that I know of. One is from 12 to 2 at the Presbyterian Church, and that is, uh, I think they're going to have at least one speaker that was at the Women's uh, March in Washington, D.C., and then from... Seven to nine, I believe it is. There's um, a gathering. They're calling it a sister circle at the um, Commons, the Volunteer Center. Seven to nine p.m. PM. Yes. Good. And Raul Turrieta, you had something you wanted to read about? Absolutely. I thank you so much for uh, for. uh, Matter of fact, uh, I actually do the local flavor. And tomorrow I do have a a charming lady by the name of Wendy uh, Spurgeon, and she's actually going to be speaking for... For uh, for the calling all women, and it's in the International Women's Day, like I said, Wednesday, March eighth, and it's coming together with a thousand of circles of worldwide to uplift, supports, and inspire ourselves. Come stand with the community in solidarity. Come honor yourself and all the women. Like you said, it's at seven o'clock and uh, seven to nine p.m. However, Wednesday during the day from uh, on Wednesday is going to be from noon to two, and it's the International Women's Day, March eighth. So we are going to be speaking quite in intensely of what's going to be happening with the uh, International Women's Day, but um, tune in tomorrow. Thank you very much. Um, We've talked about the threat that immigrants feel increasingly. I learned today that last night President Trump said he is establishing a new agency called VOICE as an acronym, which stands for Victims of Immigrant Crime. Immigrant Crime. There will be on March 30th at Western New Mexico University and Miller Library a panel on immigrant justice with attorneys and immigrant rights workers. This is important for all of us to know about whether we are immigrants or not because we discover not only that, of course, many of us are descended from immigrants and sometimes very closely, but when any of us is at risk, All of us, in one way or another, are at risk. And we need to know, in practical ways, how to stand together and protect the most vulnerable. That will be on March 30th. Also, it's not too early to note that on May 6th, 
will be another Give Grandly Day. This will coincide with the opening of the Farmer's Market at 7th and North Bullard. And some 40-plus community service organizations come together. It's an opportunity for people to give financially, but also to get acquainted with organizations that provide vital services of all kinds to this community. So that is something to look forward to. And I want to mention also a new program several months old at the Silver City Food Co-op and the Market Cafe called Round Up. When you're at the cash register at either of those places, offer to round up. The cashier may say, would you like to round up? And here's what that means. If you're charge is $11.79, and you say, yes, I'd like to round up, 21 cents will go to the beneficiary of the month. You're not going to feel the pinch. Most of us will not. We won't get home and say, well, you know, uh, that 21 cents is going to change my life in the next week. But all together, this is an example of what we do all together, the small change adds up to big dollars, the last several beneficiary organizations have received more than $2,000 each. And this is serious money in this kind of community. In March, your community radio station, Gila Mimbres Community Radio, is the beneficiary. So if you listening are interested in keeping this kind of programming, plus all the music, the cultural programming, the entertainment, the local programs that tell you what's happening here, on the air and strong, a painless, in fact, pleasure-giving way of doing it is just to say at the Silver City Food Co-op and the Market Cafe, yes, I'd like to round up. And I saw other people looking like you have something to say. Yes, Deborah. One of the reflections that I've had on the misfortune of this past election is that we have a tremendous opportunity. We have an opportunity as a human race, to step up to the plate and really assume our position as a more evolved being than we've ever been. And we get to do that right here on a local level. I am loving the interactions that I am having on a personal level with um, a beautiful and amazing young Hispanic single mom who is teaching me a great deal about what it's been like to be part of generations of poverty and how difficult it is to climb out of that, and that we have an opportunity here now to build bridges, make connections perhaps with people we've never made connections with before, to step out of our comfort zones and be willing to reach out to one another, to learn about each other's lives, and see how we can be good neighbors with one another. Thank you. Barbara? Yeah, there's just a little story I'll try to tell quickly. At the Ash Wednesday Mass today, Father Yarek at St. Francis told a little story about himself a few years ago. He uh, said he was he wanted to lose some weight, so he went to the local gym and asked to um, purchase some membership there. And so he did, and the person at the counter uh, gave him his card. And so he then held up the card, and he says, this this card will make me lose weight, right? And she said, yes, it will. And he started to walk away. And then she said, wait, wait. And he came back, and he said, she said, well, you know, you do have to come into the gym with your card. And then you actually have to do the exercise. And that's how it works. And, of course, he knew that, and he laughed. But the point he was making in, 
uh, Mass today for us at the beginning of Lent, which is a, you know, a season of reflection and penance and spiritual work. He said that, um, you know, just to come to Mass and get your ashes um, is not enough. That's not sufficient. Now the work begins. Now, um, you know, there should be a period of time uh, where we went through our reflection and the work, as Azima was talking about, the spiritual work. Now we're ready for the actions of goodness, mercy, and justice. Yeah. And uh, so it was a very heartfelt Mass today. Thank you, Father Yarek. Mm-hmm. Azima. Just a couple of suggestions, uh, once again going to the national level. Um, there are many fights that are going to have to be fought that are all going to happen in the courts. And so I'm encouraging people who have an extra $5 a month or $10 a month to donate to ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, and also to Lakota Law Project Mm -hmm. because that fight is not over. Everybody's been arrested and the camp's been destroyed at Standing Rock, but there will be a lot more uh, legal battles that have to be fought, and they need our money. And one can find that easily with a Google search or any search engine, L-A-K-O-T-A, Lakota. Law Project. Law Project, right. good. Raul Torrieta, you look like you had something to say. Jim McIntosh? It feels like I'm sitting around the table with, uh, in the middle of a democratic renaissance, so thank you. I've enjoyed the time here. Um, <laughs> the other evening I was talking to Kyle about the sign in the window, and as much as I like that sign, Jamie, uh, the arc <laughs> of the moral universe is long, but it, ben- but it bends towards justice. As, as much as I revere Dr. King, I'm not sure that I believe in the inevitability of justice. We, we humans are animals, and when our fundamental needs are not met, we fall below a th- certain threshold. I, I like the title of Angela Davis's latest book, which is Freedom is a Constant Struggle, and that's how it feels to me right now. Um, I think struggle requires study and action and constant self-reflection and this kind of periodic but continual renewal of energy. And I'm, I'm glad we're in the rising tide right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, real quickly, uh, I've been following uh, about 130 bills, you know, for the county and the city, and uh, it's sad that they are increasing the uh, correction uh, budget and decreasing education, and that's one of the one of the things that are really bothering me. And not only that, House Bill 202 is a very very bad bill. Uh, Congress right now, and I I just received this from my daughter. Congress is uh, is trying to break up the distribution of federal funds for the elementary and secondary education in form of vouchers, eligibility students, and repeal certain. What happens to that is my daughter plays in the, you know, she plays international French horn in high school and so on. That would actually wipe out the arts, the music, and uh, we definitely need to get a hold of our Congress. To, we need to stop that. Thank you to all my six guests for appearing on this program on Groundswell Grant County 2017. This is Civil Discourse on Gila Mimbres Community Radio.